We say atoms are bound by weak attractors. Why not admit the truth? The universe is held together by love. Back to Drive Back the Night, an Andromeda series podcast. I am Ryan Mazzocco. And I am legendary genius podcast producer Ethan Maestri. Yeah. All, Ryan, yeah. always trust in the Maestri. The Maestri is good. All right, Mr. Maestri, let's just calm down a little bit. Okay. Let's just drill it in. And let's go ahead and move on with episode eight. We have the Banks of the Lethe. Is it Lethe or Lethe? Well, I was told Lethe. Lethe. I'm going yeah. with it. Yeah. Okay. okay. What is Lethe, anyway? It is a Greek river. And not an actual river, but it was the Greek river representative of uh, something about the afterlife. Okay. That sounds a little bit like uh, trivia and fun facts. Mm. You have any more for us? I do have more, actually. You're on a roll, so Let's just, go. just go with it. <laughs> okay, yeah. This is the Banks of the Lethe, uh, episode eight. And uh, we have guest stars here. We have Sam Jenkins. Um, I believe in the show, though, she's credited as Sam Sorbo. And Mm. that name might sound familiar, at least the last name. Because, in fact, Sam Jenkins, or Sam Sorbo, she is, in fact, married to Kevin Sorbo. Captain Dylan Hunt. Yeah. Uh, Actually, they met while doing the, the television series Hercules. Uh, she played Serena on that uh, show for several episodes, and during the course of them filming that, they actually uh, they they actually got married. She's done a lot of in TV and in film, uh, in, in in other efforts, uh, but right now, actually, she has a nationally syndicated radio show that she does for for Fox Network. Oh, she does. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So she's interestingly enough here we are doing the podcast and we're talking about someone that is in talk radio. Hmm. So anyway, yeah. So that's Sam Jenkins. Uh, she plays uh, Sarah, uh, Dylan's love interest, mm-hmm. in this particular episode. We also have Eli Gabay, who plays Captain Khalid. And he's done a lot of work in, in film and in television. Of note, he had a, a role in Stargate SG-1. Uh, he also played in the movie with Alec Baldwin, The Edge, um, a number of years ago the, in the 90s. Um, and then of late, he has done a lot in video game and uh, cartoon voice work. So you look down through his IMDb list, and there's a lot of stuff he's been a part of. And then I also have to mention we have our final, um, our final show with Elizabeth Ty, who plays okay. Refractions of Dawn. <laughs> right in the first episode, now she plays Twilight. Okay, uh, on the bridge of the uh, the Starry Wisdom mm-hmm. uh, that we see in this episode. And so yeah, he, she she reprises her role as a fan. Right. I want to know where these Than get their names. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, we, we see her in this episode uh, as the Than for a final time, and, and that's all I got. Okay. All right. Well, let's move on to this episode, The Banks of the Lethe. Uh, episode, why don't you give us a rundown? Tell us what happened in this show. Can do. We begin the episode at the very same black hole that we began the series with. Only this time, a group of curious Perseid scientists have Andromeda jacked into the black hole itself in order to study the wave functions of the universe. 
Andromeda doesn't much like the situation. But hey, anything for science. And it just may help get the Zinti to join the new system's commonwealth. At least, that's what Dylan is hoping for. But honestly, like Andromeda, he really just wants to get this milk run over with so that he can get away from this place and never come back. That black hole didn't just swallow his ship, it swallowed his whole life. Now we flash back some 300 years to the time of the fall. Dylan's fiancée, Sarah Riley, and Captain Ishmael Khalid are aboard the research vessel Starry Wisdom, and they too are at the very same black hole that the Andromeda is monitoring. Except they're looking for the Andromeda and Dylan, trying to find a way to rescue them. But they have to be cautious, because Nietzschean patrols may be lurking nearby. And now, in a truly Inception-type moment, we have a flashback within a flashback. Sarah is remembering the time when she first met Dylan Hunt. Oh yeah, and this Khalid guy that's along for the ride as well. The research station that Sarah was working on has come under Magog attack, and she is attempting to finish her research when she is set upon by Magog attackers. But she is rescued by none other than Dylan Hunt himself. Oh, and Khalid as well. Back in the present, Rev Bim advises Dylan that it might be therapeutic for him to send a message to his beloved Sarah into the black hole. Perhaps this will give him some of the closure on his lost relationship. Meantime, Becca pops in on Harper and the Perseids in the lab to see what they're up to. We catch our first glimpse at our featured sci-fi plot device, something that looks more like a Borg regeneration alcove than a transport uh, uh, teleporter, built by the Perseids but made operable thanks only to Harper's geniusness. But it still isn't perfected yet, as anything sent through the device spontaneously explodes into goo after materialization. Dylan sends his message into the void, finding it difficult to find a voice for his thoughts. But, by some unbelievably improbable chance, the signal is sent back through time to Sarah on the starry wisdom. Communication is established, and they can once again speak to each other across both time and space. Harper gets an idea and sets about doing some experiments. After he explains to Dylan that sending information through time is really no big deal, he demonstrates by sending a Cali melon a few seconds into the past. He could send Dylan back through time to be with Sarah. Except for one thing, Harper still hasn't quite figured out how to keep objects from explosively dematerializing after transmission. It would be a one-way trip, in the most ominous of terms. Dylan instead settles for sending a hologram of himself back to the Starry Wisdom to speak with Sarah. She reveals the depth of her obsessive drive to free the Andromeda and Dylan from the event horizon, refusing to let Dylan go. Dylan appears to Khalid and asks how Sarah is doing. Khalid admits that he is worried about her. Dylan has Khalid promise to take her someplace safe once this is over. Sarah is ready to make an attempt to retrieve the Andromeda from the black hole. But in the attempt, a Nietzschean stealth fighter attacks and prevents the rescue. Dylan defeats the fighter, but a Nietzschean destroyer is now on its way, and is going to arrive before another attempt can be made to rescue the Andromeda. Sarah still refuses to give up, so Dylan decides to take the risk of using the teleporter. Harper has finally sussed out some of the kinks in the device. The plan is that Dylan goes back in time, gives Sarah a signal booster, and that will allow both of them to be transported back into the present. Rami doesn't think that this is his best idea, and she even threatens to break the link with the singularity. Dylan calls her bluff and heads back anyway. 
just as the Nietzscheans launch another attack. This time, it's a coordinated attack on both the starry wisdom in the past and the Andromeda in the present. Tyr, in the present, defeats the attacking Drago Katzoff ship. Dylan, in the past, executes a feint to draw the attackers away, allowing the starry wisdom to escape. Before leaving, though, Dylan gives Sarah the booster, and they make an attempt to return to the present. But it is all for naught. The booster isn't enough to bring Sarah back. Only Dylan can return. Sarah tries to convince Dylan to stay, but Dylan explains that the Commonwealth is more important than either one of them. Sarah reluctantly agrees, and Dylan returns to the Andromeda. This time, he arrives in one piece. Later, Rami brings Dylan the news that the Zinti were very pleased with the cooperative effort with their experiments, and they have agreed to become the first world to sign on with the new Commonwealth. Rami also explains that Sarah's attempt to rescue the Andromeda did shift its orbit just enough for the Maru to finish the job 300 years later. Sarah was in fact responsible for Dylan's rescue after all. The end. Where exactly do you plug into a black hole? <laughs> yeah, but obviously it, it creates some issues. Yeah. Uh, Rami was a little little dumber for the experience. I think the, so. The, the course of the experience. <laughs> I mean, I guess we're just assuming they still don't have some sort of wireless networking just because of Harper's... Uh... I, think you, I think you have to assume that this was done wirelessly. Yeah. Uh, so we meet Sarah, mm-hmm. Dylan's fiance. Yeah, we've we heard see, of her. We've heard of her. Yeah, exactly. Uh, we've seen her picture. We have seen her picture. And you know what? I didn't even think. I didn't go back and look. Is it the same mm-hmm. character? It is. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. So they had that going for them. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Um, I think this woman's a little bit touched in the head. Could be. Possibly. You know why? Because if I'm a researcher on a station and Magog are attacking, uh, I, I'm not sticking around to... I don't care how much they're paying me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm not sticking around to finish my work. Mm-hmm. And uh, she didn't really seem concerned. She was obsessed. And that seems to be a theme with her. You know, you think if nothing else, the the Magog, they're not interested in destroying people's research, their computers. You know, okay, okay just go ahead and get off this thing. When the Magog leave, come back come and, back get, and you, get your computer. Exactly. Yeah, you know? they're more interested in destroying. You. Yeah, but what ha- what ended up happening? Well, Dylan, the big hero, comes in and destroys her computer. Something the Magog would never have never done. Never have thought about doing. I didn't yeah. think about that, but you're absolutely right. <laughs> yeah, she'd have been better off if she'd have just walked away from it with the other five thousand people or however yeah. many were on the station. Yeah. So let that be a lesson to us all. When the fire alarm goes off, mm-hmm. just drop what you're doing and come back. If it's a drill, it's going to be there. Right. <laughs> of course, fire might destroy your computer. Well, I'm saying if it was a drill. If it's an actual fire, yeah, well, you know, mm-hmm. you're going to have to start over. Uh, you know, there was a, a PC game that I absolutely love playing. Uh, X-Wing versus TIE Fighter. It was one of my first multiplayer experiences over internet. Mm-hmm. Uh, you could pick either an X-Wing or a TIE Fighter or whatever, you know, in the Star Wars universe, Mm -hmm. the different fighters that they have. Uh, You could fly them against other people, Mm -hmm. which is really cool concept back in 1998, Mm -hmm. 99, 97, 98, when I was getting into that. But, um, yeah, I'm thinking I would not want to go up against Tyr Anasazi because that dude is... He's a gamer. He rocks the joystick, (laughs) man. He rocks that joystick. (laughs) 
<laughs> He's flying in formation and taking out a, a Drago Cats off destroyer. Uh-huh. It was like one shot. He knew exactly where to hit that thing. Yeah. <laughs> and it just, boom, gone. Well, he clearly had an Atari when he was little. <laughs> Atari, yeah. And then he, you know, moved up uh, since then. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I just thought, man, that I would not have wanted to tackle that guy. I mean, he'd have been hard to take down. Hey, Ethan, do you remember the quote from D minus uh, zero? The opening credit quote? Yeah. No, I don't. It was uh, every, here's everything I know about war. Oh, yeah. Somebody yeah. wins, someone loses, and nothing's ever nothing's the same again. The same. I, I paraphrase. It's not exact quote. Right. But do you remember who that quote was credited to? Admiral. Uh, it starts with an S. And, and I, Costanza Stark. Stark. Yes. Admiral Stark. Yeah. Remember when we when we went over that? I told you. I said. Remember that name? You did say that, yeah. Mm-hmm. Did you remember that name? Uh, when it was referenced, uh, I think it was Sarah references mm-hmm. the name. Uh, Admiral Stark said, when I met mm-hmm. you, I would either love you or hate you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So that's this is the same Admiral Stark. Then. Yep. Cool. There you go. Yeah. And we're not done with See, I love, Admiral Stark. I love continuity in my television series. Yeah, it helps, doesn't it? it? <laughs> yeah. It keeps you invested. <laughs> yeah. We'd like to see more of it in TV. <laughs> yes, we would. Uh um, I also have to mention just, I've done it before and, and I will continue to do so as I, I'll call them as I see them, uh, weird production. I, I consider them errors or flaws. Mm-hmm. Okay. Sarah comes around the table or the, the desk where she's at and she's holding her coffee mug. And I believe she's either about to take a swig or she has just taken a swig. I can't remember. Anyway, the mug is full mm-hmm. or, or has fluid in it. Mm-hmm. And then Dylan's hologram appears, and she drops it. That is not a full mug that hits the floor. <laughs> it is a large, metallic, clank, empty, uh-huh. hollow cylinder uh-huh. when it hits the floor. I just thought that was... Uh, it, those sorts of things bug me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I consider them to be production errors. Right. Well, as uh, Robert Hewitt Wolf expressed to us when we had our interview with him, they didn't have a lot of money. So it, it may have been um, they didn't. It may have cost them more to have a, a, a janitor on staff to clean up the, you, the you liquid. Think that could be it. It could be. You know, maybe I they mean, honestly. It, it, you couldn't just pour some water in there. It's a travel mug. Close the top and, <laughs> and then drop the thing, so it makes a thud instead of a loud empty clang sound. Yeah, that's all I'm asking for. Or maybe post production, just insert. A full mug sound. There you go. Yeah. Or delete the sound altogether, which mm-hmm. is what they did when Harper hit the floor <laughs> in, that, in, in a few episodes back. Yeah. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. Okay. Isn't that what the key grip is for? A gaffer or, or a key grip or somebody. There's somebody specifically on set that's supposed to be looking for things like that in production mm-hmm. and, and catching those sorts of things so that it, anyway. Okay. I don't know what a key grip does in, in TV. Uh, my background is theater. Okay. So they they dealt more with uh, um, the stage, the set. I okay. Guess I should say the set more than props. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's set. Well, so maybe that's maybe it is key grip. Make sure the prop is you know. Well, see that would be the props master. Oh. Okay. But even then, it, it's the sound editor. Now we're talking about things that we really have no idea what we're talking. Well, about. Well, that's what we've been doing for the last, <laughs> the last nine second. weeks. <laughs> Oh, I'll grant you that. Okay. So, Tyr had a real interesting moment with Dylan. Um, basically, um, 
who gets your room when you're dead. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I debated on bringing that up in the, in the summary or not. Ultimately I left it out for mm-hmm. time's sake, but yeah, that wasn't an interesting. Well, it wasn't a major plot point, but no. you know, it was an interesting character moment. True. So, it's, so who gets this thing when you're dead? Cause you're probably going to die. Yeah. And it's no surprise that Becca gets picked. I mean, she is next up mm-hmm. next in command, but, uh, how would that play out, do you think, if Dylan does not come back? If he stays 300 years in the past or just blows up, mm-hmm. how, how do you think that plays out? I mean, does Tyr honor? I mean, do we know enough about him yet to say he, he would honor that agreement? If it benefits him. True. It's, it's a, man, that's, a, that's my problem with this guy is everything right now, it's all based on circumstance. Mm-hmm. Well, at the beginning, he did proposition to Becca that they overthrow Dylan she take command, and he would be and her. And he would back her. Right. Yeah, yeah, that's true. So maybe he would go ahead and stick with that. I, yeah, I'm willing to go with that. I, I like that. I, I like taking that and applying it to the situation rather than just saying, uh, crapshoot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, we, we've established that there is at least some continuity, you know? Yeah. We're only eight episodes in, so it's hard to know at this point how, how true they're going to keep to what they've already written. If everything's going to stay canon or or what is going to happen. But with the whole Admiral Stark thing, I think we can take that and say, yeah, they're sticking with continuity. And um, and Tyr would go ahead and, and unless unless that in itself was all a ploy. Yeah. It could have been that he was saying, yeah, you take over the ship and I'll serve under you for about a week. <laughs> and then, you know, I'm, my fist will be at the back of your skull. <laughs> yeah. Because that's how he fights. That's how he yeah, fights. That's, yeah. you know. And then it's his ship. I got to think Rami wouldn't stand for that, though. Yeah. She would definitely be the uh, the fly in, the, fly in tears ointment mm-hmm. in that case. That's kind of an interesting point. I hadn't really thought about that too much. Is it possible for any... It seems like in all of these sci-fi shows, you always have a group or an individual, someone that's trying to take over the ship. Can the Andromeda really be taken over? I mean, short of a complete system reformat, can you really take over? Because Rami's going to put up a fight. Yeah. If all humans are dead. Doesn't matter. You still, you still got to deal with Rami. Yeah. Well, and okay. And, and I'm, I'm jumping ahead in the series. We already know Rami or Andromeda is capable of running the ship on her own. Self-will. Mm-hmm. Or at least fulfilling programming. Mm-hmm. So if she determines that she's going to do something, she'll she'll do it. She'll she'll go wherever she wants. Mm-hmm. And uh, if I remember the episode correctly, uh, the, there wasn't anything the crew could do about it to override, at least not in that instance. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I mean, I think if faced with that situation, Tyr tries to take over. If Rami doesn't agree with it, I don't think there's a whole lot Tyr can do about it. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's uh. That's definitely something he would have to take into consideration. Right. Well, she did the same thing in this. She, you know, Dylan, she told him, you know, I could pull the plug on this. Yeah. Anytime I want to. That's true. You know, ultimately she did submit to his command, but she made it known. I can stop this anytime I want. Yeah. And I think that's interesting for her as a character. I mean, she's, she's trying to assert herself Mm -hmm. a little bit at that moment. And why? I mean, yeah, he's the captain of the ship, and she doesn't want him to be in danger, but 
I mean, are we are we starting to get a hint of of an underlying reason for her to behave this way? I mean, we're talking about him going back in time not to save a thousand people or to change the the past or something like that, but it's because his fiance is back there. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, am I reading is, too much into it? I, I don't know if you are or not because this is something that, for some reason or another, uh, well, you know, we've talked about it before. There just always seems to be things in a show that we we go back and listen after our record and they're like why didn't we talk about this yeah. point you know but there's always stuff that we miss mm-hmm. one of the biggest ones that i think that a huge one that we missed um we never talked about in d minus 0 when dylan is in the shower talking to her and she's got she's her little palm sized hologram on on his nightstand or desk or whatever and she's just like it's like she's stroking his face on the picture. My precious. It's it's just really weird. It's creepy. And you 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 know that there's something there yeah. with her. No, absolutely. You know, because then we come back in the next episode when her 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 avatar, her android has been built and now all of a sudden there's like a awkwardness. Yeah. Is okay, you know, and he's like, uh, yeah, you've seen me naked." And and there's just that whole deal between them. <clears throat> of course, those episodes were aired in flip flop, reverse what they were supposed to have been. Yeah. But had they been aired in the right way, that would have made sense. And it would have stood out more, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. You're right. And, and, and uh, yeah, you're you're absolutely right. I, I'd totally forgotten we had we had talked about that. We yeah. about missing that. Yeah. Well, and it it never really seemed to come up anymore, other than that that little awkward standoff in the hallway in to loose the fateful lightning at least it doesn't seem well okay and i will i will say this you could almost overlook that because honestly anytime a naked woman shows up in the room Mm -hmm. there's going to be some awkwardness Mm -hmm. i mean whether they're attractive or not i mean Mm -hmm. it's it's going to be awkward yeah so you could almost pass that off that one instance but like you said, you couple that with the the hologram scene where she's stroking the, the yeah. picture. You know, it's there is something there. Yeah. And, and now I think I props to the writers; they didn't make it overt. Mm-hmm. But if that's if that's part of Rami's motivation for her threatening to pull the plug on this whole thing and not allowing Dylan to go back in time, is a very very subtle play. And mm-hmm. I, taking what we've seen so far, I kind of like what what they're doing with that. Yeah. Uh, so Ryan, do, do you want to talk about Trance's melons? Whoa. Okay. Look, we're, um, Ethan, we're kind of trying to keep a clean rating on iTunes. What? So if you could just what you... reel it back a little bit. Oh, no, 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 no. I'm, I'm talking the, the melons, the Cali melons. Oh, <clears throat> right. Okay. Um, uh, sorry. Okay. I'll let it that out. Okay. So yeah, that was kind of a weird deal. The whole, uh, this is paradox. This is messing okay. with my mind. Yeah, I know. The whole... You see him... How does it even go? Oh, okay. The the, the melon shows up with with the right. face on it. Yeah. And it explodes. Mm-hmm. And then they have this whole conversation. Mm-hmm. And then he sends that melon back in time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I had a... I mean, I understand a paradox and how that is supposed to throw you off. Mm-hmm. But, man, yeah, it was hard to wrap my brain... Around that whole sequence right yeah. there. I mean, I guess if he is just absolutely convinced, he knows for sure that he is going to do that. What if he at the last second decides, I'm not going to send it back. Then the last two minutes just get erased and played over again. <laughs> yeah. 
I know. And then and then Dylan's like, you go back two minutes, and he's like, nothing happened. <laughs> like, yeah, I changed my mind. I will change my mind. I haven't yet. Yeah, but I will. I know. It, it This is my problem with time travel mm-hmm. because it it doesn't it isn't linear and it doesn't make sense to our rational linear minds. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Yeah, and you know what? That's just one of the paradoxes in this episode. What about the the Nietzscheans? This this kind of messed with my brain too. Um, they they theorize that possibly the reason that the Nietzscheans are attacking them in the future in the or in their present is that uh, the Nietzscheans from three hundred years ago that were attacking the Starry Wisdom must have sent a message or or something. So that the that the Nietzscheans in the future would know when and where the Andromeda would be. Yeah, I think I know where you're going with this. Why why would they know the Andromeda is there? Mm. Is that what you're? Well, I'm not not necessarily why would they know, because the Nietzscheans that were attacking the Starry Wisdom, you know, they they somehow knew what was going on. Yeah, and so then they were able to forward that message on into. Through the generations into the next 300 years, and then when it comes that time, and then the Drago cats off, we're just sitting there, oh, hey, you know what? Well, there's this thing we got to go do. Yeah, we have an appointment. (laughs) We've been holding this for 300 years, so we can't be late. It's like Western Union delivering a telegram to, Mm -hmm. you know, somebody standing in the middle of a highway, you know, Mm -hmm. what was it, 80 years or 75 years Mm -hmm. after it happened? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Me and the boys had a bet as to whether or not somebody'd be here or not. You think yeah. that went on on the Drago Katzoff ship? Yeah, maybe. You think our ancestors were crazy? We're about to find out. You know? <laughs> yeah. So either we're all genetically just great, or yeah, something's messed up. <laughs> Somebody's yeah. smoking smoking something back in the back in the past. Uh, that that took me a minute to get that reference. I was I was just looking at you smiling like yeah yeah, and then it dawned on me. Oh, kind of like when you make right. some Seinfeld references to me on occasion. Yeah, and I do apologize for that. The only difference is that I know Back to the Future. You don't know Seinfeld. <laughs> I know a little bit of Seinfeld. We've gone over this. I know, I know. And you know, after we're done with this, maybe we'll do a Seinfeld podcast. Okay, all right. I might need to do. I, that. I think you should. <laughs> but anyway, it's just it's just the whole thing is just so strange. It's, if they know the Andromeda is going to be there, why do they go there at that exact moment? Um, do they know that Dylan is not on the ship? Do they think that's the most vulnerable time? Otherwise, why don't they just kind of hide on the other side of the black hole, and then as soon as the Andromeda starts to come up, just pop out and bam? Yeah. And why just send a destroyer? Mm-hmm. I mean, no, that's that's true. That's another valid point. I mean, the Nietzscheans they like overkill, don't they? Yeah. I yeah. mean, let's let's send fifteen hundred ships or whatever it was to uh, to Witchhead. Yeah. Have we had any Nietzschean encounters in in the present yet? In these eight episodes, just we we haven't so far, have we? Well, Double Helix was all about oh, Nietzschean well, encounter. Yeah, but that was a. It wasn't Drago Katzoff. How that's the, that's the the thing. How much communication is there between the prides? Mm-hmm. You know, are they sharing intelligence of any kind? Mm-hmm. I don't think so. No, probably not. Um, we haven't seen Drago Katzoff, other than Witchhead. Mm-hmm. We know there were a lot of those ships were Drago Katzoff mm-hmm. clan or pride. So um, yeah, I mean it, they they're not sharing intelligence. So. I can almost see it being like, yeah, the, our ancestors left us this information. Uh, yeah, let's, 
just send the destroyer and, you know, we won't commit a lot of resources to this. Yeah. How about when they get that message back? Oh, it turns out they were right <laughs> and we lost our destroyer. Yeah. Yeah. To a, a game playing superhuman, <laughs> but you know this isn't the this isn't the last time we're going to have these conversations. Anytime there is some sort of a time paradox, it always just brings up these issues for me, and yeah. we're we're never going to resolve them. But I always feel like I have to talk about them. I don't know it. At the very least, it it reminds us it's a television show. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. <laughs> All right, which well, brings up the term. That I love and, and repeat on another podcast that we do. Shut up, nerd. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. All right. All right. Well, here's another nerdy thing to talk about then. Um, Dylan's hologram. Seriously, how cool was that, though? I, 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 I didn't even think about it. Mm-hmm. I, I guess I've seen holograms done enough in various shows and whatnot. And they they always interact, you mm-hmm. know, the hologram, like in, in Star Trek, the, the hologram can interact with the environment, mm-hmm. but yeah, he was there, but not there. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, he was very see through, pass through, whatever it was. I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah. And the, the thing that I thought was weird about it too, like you say, he was not able to interact in the sense physically, Yeah, but he was very aware of everything around him. It seemed like he could, he he couldn't move about freely, but in the space that he was in, he kind of could. We never see him on Andromeda. This is what I'm getting at. Okay. I want to know, what what is this interface? What's he plugged into? Yeah. Yeah. So, because it's just... Yeah, what, I, what is he seeing? I, I know what it is. And how is he seeing the things that his hologram is seeing, you know? And, I, I know what it is. Okay, tell me what it is. Okay, it's those those sporty sunglasses that they had on when they when they fly the uh, the ships. When they fly the fighters. Huh. Okay. You know, the Oculus Rift goggles yeah. that we referenced? That's that's it. It's just hmm. VR goggles. That's okay. So then so then the program just removes those those goggles? Sure. Is is his look pre programmed or or does it somehow, you know, make some sort of a an image of him based on what he lo- what what if he's not wearing those clothes that day? I mean, could he actually <laughs> go into this program in a bathrobe? But he comes out the other side what in, I think would in be full awesome. high guard uniform. Yeah, what I think would be awesome is is if Rami had, was having some fun with the programming and put him in one of Harper's shirts oh. <laughs> you know, or something like that. <laughs> yeah, well, maybe that's part of when you're starting up the program, he can go through and choose his outfits. There you go. Or, you know, maybe, maybe he creates a, a me. <laughs> that's the exactly what I was it. thinking. Yeah. yeah. It was like, you know, okay, I'm, I'm using this profile today. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So... I don't know. He's probably got one already created, and so he just... It was the last one used. Yeah. So, it it really wasn't that big of a deal at all for him. No. Okay. All right. <laughs> well, I was just... Yeah, I just thought that was just... It, the, the, the other thing, though, it's not just what they're able to see of Dylan, but also just how are his senses being fed. Yeah. And how is it that this hologram is able to send back these images and sounds from its perspective. Yeah. Is it is it part of the ship? Is it because it's something that's in the starry wisdom? 
Does this have? They probably have the same, very similar. Well, programming. I was just saying they're from the same year. Yeah, the, the, the technology is from the same year between mm-hmm. the Andromeda to the Starry Wisdom. So yeah, whatever allows Rami to wander around the ship as a hologram mm-hmm. stands to reason that the Starry Wisdom has that same ability. Mm-hmm. Okay, so he wouldn't be able to just show up as a hologram on anyone's ship. It's got to have the same. Yeah, hologram the same, interface yeah, system. Figure, yeah, we're talking about a Commonwealth type interface mm-hmm. carrier signal, whatever. And then the the ship has that that built in ability. Okay, was that nerdy enough for you? I like that discussion. Okay. Yeah. All right, Ryan. So let's get down to the nitty gritty. Okay. What we actually take away from this episode, um, the love story. Mm-hmm. We have Dylan faced with a decision mm-hmm. to make. Well, let's talk about that for just a second. Okay. Yeah, you know. You got a couple of of different options, and you got to wonder, well, not necessarily if he made the right choice, but but why did he make the choice that he did make? We know, really, because they explain it. They don't really just leave it. But he he has this other option. Yeah. He could have stayed behind. He Okay, I can't take you with me to the future, but I could stay behind and and stay with, with you, you know? And we know his... He's got this whole mindset that the Commonwealth is bigger than either one of them, and that's cool and everything. I, I like to refer to this as the, the this was uh, Dylan's Casablanca speech mm. of all the women right. and all the singularities and all the universe. <laughs> you had to you had to come visit this one, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. It we've talked a little bit before about um, well. It was uh, Angel Dark, Demon Bright. It These two episodes, really, there's a lot of the same themes that kind of keep... Re- besides the fact that it's time travel, uh, people are having to make the same decisions over again. And, you know, in that one, they were saying, yeah, we're going to come into the future and fight for the new Commonwealth with you, Dylan. It didn't work out because they got blowed up. But in this one, you know, now she's saying, okay, yeah, I'm going to come with you into the future. And she can't. Well, Dylan has the choice. He could stay. And, you know, you brought up the the question in the Angel Dark Demon Bright discussion is, you know, all those people, that's a huge choice to make for all those people to just take them into the future. Just take them out of their, their time and place and just move them 300 years into the future. And then I made the argument, yeah, but that's because they already know that if they stay, they're all going to die. So at least they get out of there. They lose everything, but they still get away with their lives and a chance to remake the new Commonwealth. Dylan, if he stays, it's just the opposite. I guess we could presume... Well, we don't know that he's going to die. Because there's... Yeah, there's no reason to, to think that the, the Starry Wisdom was destroyed. In, in fact, We assume. Yeah. Because Dylan gives Khalid the, the information about... Well, he thinks the Than homeworld... Makes it through okay. So, you know, y'all just head that direction and you should be okay. Yeah. So, I mean, but even if, even if they, even if the system's Commonwealth falls, um, maybe it doesn't now. Dylan, knowing what he knows, could go back and try to change things. And even if he can't, well, maybe he can still get out of there with his life and with his girl. It wouldn't be such an uphill battle for him to reestablish a commonwealth I don't in some think quiet so. sec- sector, yeah. which has already happened. So the real disintegration is 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 it's mm-hmm. committed. That's happening. Mm-hmm. But yeah, he could probably find some corner of the commonwealth and maybe hold it together. 
Yeah, I mean, at least you've still got the possibility of there. There's still a group out there. There's still a a sizable enough group, as splintered as they are. You can still try to scrape them together and at least hold something together. Yeah, and then, and even if it's long after you're dead. You've still got something for the future generations to build on. Well, the Commonwealth is resilient, so surely somewhere, mm-hmm. yeah, somebody's going to hold on to that. Maybe we actually run into a, a sliver of that at some point in the future. Who knows? But. Yeah, well, we already have. I mean, the kids on the drift True. are on the station, Yeah. so, you know, they had it all wrong, but they're out there, and now Dylan's trying to build on... Basically nothing except you know you got these kids is what all he's found so far, and the Perseids which are <laughs> useless in a fight. Oh man, they'll <laughs> they'll talk you to death. Yeah, yeah, but <clears throat> but yeah, I, I, you said it best. I think it is more of a, an uphill battle three hundred years in the future when the whole thing is completely disintegrated. Yeah, the, the, that's the interesting thing about what Dylan is faced with here. Um, the last episode, Angel, Dark, Demon, Bright, and then now this episode really highlights the singular nature that Dylan finds himself in. He, he is one man against the universe. And now it, he can't bring 4,000 people on, and another ship to come help him. And now he can't bring his own fiance forward to have her by his side as he takes on this Herculean endeavor. Whoa. See what I did with that? Uh-huh. Yeah. So, <laughs> so he is, a, he is a man alone. And and now more than ever he is isolated, other than this ragtag crew that's that's on board with him. And well, and now the the Zinti Council, mm-hmm. <laughs> the Zinti government. Now he has that going for him. But yeah, it's uh, he is a man alone. And these two episodes back to back have have really driven that point home. Mm-hmm. So yeah. All right. Well, let's move on to the next point in our discussion. Ethan, we say atoms are bound by weak attractors. Why not admit the truth? The universe is held together by love. Are you coming on to me? No. Oh. I was just reading this uh, this this quote oh, here. Oh, from the show. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, that's not my own work. <laughs> that's actually a, a wayist physicist. That is an interesting statement. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I was actually thinking before we did this show, I was actually thinking a lot about that statement. I have to give props to Robert Hewitt Wolf. Uh, I don't know what his philosophy is in life. I don't know if he's atheist or not. I, uh, judging by some comments and things and, and the type of work that he has done on film, on screen, uh, I'm leaning toward the fact that I, I think he might be atheist. And, may, and maybe I've actually heard him say that in an interview or something. like that. I don't know. Um, that's beside the point. Mm-hmm. The fact is, he doesn't shy away from having... Uh, philosophy religious thought in this universe mm-hmm. which i think is a, a a big departure from what we saw in actual gene roddenberry's mm-hmm. or, or, or gene roddenberry's work on television mm-hmm. we didn't see religion of any kind really in star trek in the 60s television show steered away from it or if you did see something cultish or something like that that was that was the the bad right that had yeah. to be you know corrected mm-hmm. and then even in next generation it touched on some philosophical, some uh, theological themes, but it wasn't really, you know, it, it wasn't in the Federation for sure. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't anything that any, anybody on the, on the crew would subscribe to. Then you see that change after Gene Roddenberry is, is passed 
in Deep Space Nine when you have the Bajorans and a very spiritual people mm-hmm. and how that influences the Federation officers on the station. Um, a lot of people did not like that in Star Trek and, and didn't want to see that mm-hmm. in, in that series. It would have been very easy for somebody like Robert Hewitt Wolf to, to go forward and, and say, all right, I've got this universe and we're not going to have spirituality in it. Mm-hmm. But he didn't shy away from that. He puts it in there front and center. And in this episode or, or with that statement uh, at the beginning of this episode, I, I think that really is going to be a, a, a touchstone that's going to identify one of the two types of people that exist in this universe. Mm-hmm. There are going to be those that look at the mathematics and the physics and the impossible probabilities that all come into play that lead to the creation or evolution of life. They're going to see those things and they're going to see love in those mm-hmm. because they believe in the divine. They mm-hmm. believe in a creator or, or, or an architect. Um, and then you have the other side of the coin where they look at the same thing. They look at the, the physics. They look at the mathematics. They see the improbabilities of life, but it's there. And they say there, there is no, there's no love there. There's nothing tying that together. There's no love. It's, it's just the universe. Mm-hmm. And love is a human concept that we have developed, and we just want to see it in those things. Mm-hmm. I think that's really the two types of people that exist in that universe, in yeah. the Andromeda universe. Well, they're the two types that exist in this universe. Yeah. And <clears throat> as far as the Andromeda universe, I mean, we've got these two types of people on the ship. Um, you've got uh, you've got Rev Bim, who clearly is very spiritual, believes in the divine, and that you know all things are are controlled by the will of the divine. Yeah. And then you've got uh, someone varying degrees between throughout the ship, but then you go to the other extreme. You've got Tyr. Yes. Who believes that they are completely in control of their own destiny, for good or bad. You know, the, the, there's only two things you can trust in the universe: mm-hmm. the cold, hard truth of it, of mm-hmm. the universe itself, and yourself. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's it, right? And yourself more than anything else. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. you're and, right. So that in, in society that we live in today, you've got just like just like you see it in different degrees, both sides of the coin, different degrees throughout the the crew. Mm-hmm. You see that in in culture today, in, in society today. You've got two sides of the coin. There's different belief systems within each of those camps. Yeah. But really, you could divide it between the two. Oh, absolutely. I mean, we're we're not even talking, uh, as far as the spiritual side, we're not talking just about specifically whether it's Christianity or Buddhism or Hindu. You know, um, some people who are not religious at all still consider themselves very spiritual. And that is a growing segment, actually, within mm-hmm. within society. Today. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's definitely getting bigger. Personally, I'm Jedi, but, you know, that's neither here. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I um, taking all of that in, all that discussion, what we learned, what we saw, what, what do you think of this episode? Uh, my thoughts on this episode are, uh, I don't know, they're, they're kind of along the lines of the, the last episode, the last uh, you know what? Actually, this is a better episode than Ties of Blind, I think. I was I was more interested in it, specifically with Dylan's past, and, and now we're introduced to her. Um, as as I've seen in the, the production notes, I mean, she is going to come back for another episode later on down the line. So I, I look forward to that. I want to see what, what, what transpires. What, I want to see what transpires in her life. Mm-hmm. 
how she gets along. Um, so, yeah, I, I think I was a little more invested in, in the way the characters on the ship, on Andromeda, were, were portrayed. The, the the whole deal with Rami, uh, that's interesting, yeah, brief, but yeah, it's obvious that she cares. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and, and she's she's almost willing to do things that a computer probably wouldn't on its own do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> you know, she makes threats. Right. Uh, she, she shows a little jealousy. Yeah. Well, it's AI. AI's bad. <laughs> yeah. So, so far, yeah. Rami's been good, but I'm just, as a general rule, AI, AI can be bad. Yes. Yes, it can. So uh, I, I liked the different looks that we got into the characters. Uh, I, I liked the, the story and where the story went. Say what you want about the paradoxes and the problems that that brings into the storytelling uh, and the questions that it raises. But uh, all in all, I, I like this episode. It's not my favorite, mm-hmm. but I, I did I did enjoy watching it. Mm-hmm. You know... When we first started doing this show, we you had mentioned about the uh, about there not really being much backstory as far as we build this this universe of the Commonwealth, immediately tear it down, and then start the show three hundred years in the future. We don't know a whole lot about that universe that was. This episode does help to give us a glimpse, at least. Into that universe. Yeah, you're right. So we're able to meet some of the people, um, get references to some of the people that we will meet later. And so, you know, for for that part of it, I thought that was that was really interesting to 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 get to know some of these people um, actually put a personality with Sarah, who to this point, we only have a name and a picture. Yeah. Well, now we get to see her. We see their interaction with each other. We see their relationship. We see how much they care about each other. And she's a nice lady. A little obsessive. Yeah. But she's a nice lady. Sure. <laughs> and and ultimately, they also come to the same decision. It's It's terrible for them. And obviously, they wish that it could be different. And it could have been different. Yeah. But ultimately, they together come to the same conclusion they together know what has to be done yeah whether it really had to be done that way i don't know but between the two of them they came to that decision that this is what has to be done yeah so you know they obviously have the same sort of ideals um as far as the the episode overall um i did enjoy this one probably not as much as some of the others that we've had Mm -hmm. um but to no fault of this episode. Some of those episodes have been really good. Um, so yeah, this is not my favorite episode, but it's definitely far from the bottom. Yeah. Yeah, no, I agree wholeheartedly. And in, in fact, this might even be a kind of an episode that you could show someone that doesn't know Andromeda. Um, yeah. Because of the, the love story. You know, and if you were trying to get your your wife or significant other yeah. involved, this yeah, this, yeah, yeah, this might be a good starting. Point. I mean, it is one that that can play on emotions. Yeah, and a lot of them so far have have not been as emotional. Right, they haven't tugged on you as much as this one does, or could if you had emotion. I don't, but <laughs> just be, that's not true. Just because I don't cry doesn't mean I'm not emotional. You're human. <laughs> you can't prove that. So that's what we think. Um, but we would love to hear what you guys think out there. We really enjoy your comments and, uh, and love to hear from you. 
Ethan, tell us again, where, where can they get a hold of us? Uh, if you want to send us an email, that would be drivebackthenightpodcast at gmail.com. That's right. And we're also on Facebook and Twitter. Both of those, we are Andromeda Pod. You can find us, listen to us, download us, uh, use a podcatcher to catch us on uh, andromedaseries.podbean.com. We're also on iTunes, aren't we, Ethan? Yes, we are. Give us stars. We certainly appreciate that. And a positive review, maybe, if you feel so inclined. Yeah, that'd help us out a lot. And again, we thank our friend Tim Kimmerly, who lends us his voice at the beginning of each episode for our opening quote. And once again, we are an Age of Geek production. You can find them at www. How many W's are there? There's there's three. three right? Always been three. You can find them at www.ageofgeek.com. And we hope you will join us back here again next week as we examine the episode, A Rose in the Ashes. Mm-hmm.